Time is running out to get your early bird ticket for Humane, our exploration of how AI will affect the media and marketing industry. Go to Humane, that's H-U-M-A-I-N dot A-U to secure your ticket today. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, the boss of Southern Cross Osterio is out. A new start for the TV industry. And Twitter's monetization plan for publishers. Unmade. It's Monday, May 1st. I'm A Beauty and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, A, but just for a moment now, I thought you said it was May. That would be a horrible shock. <laughs> no, I mean, that would mean the year's moving far too quickly, wouldn't it? Yes, yes. It means, gosh, we're a third of the way through the year, which I, I really um, cannot fathom. Anyway, how are you? Did you have a good weekend? Great weekend. Um, as the listeners would probably know, I'm, I live in Tasmania and I've been thinking, when is summer going to end? It's been quite nice up until now and started cooling down. And I think the answer is... About now is going to end. So the snows, the snows coming in. The, uh, the the cold fronts are coming in. But how was your weekend, Tim? What did you get up to? Yeah, mine was good. I was actually away from uh, from Tasmania. I was over in uh, uh, Victoria. I was at the Sorrento Writers Festival, getting my occasional validation of being on stage, which I uh, I do enjoy. So we had a couple of interesting conversations around the uh, the future of. Um, of, of, of newsrooms in a more digital age. And we also, of course, spent some time talking about the uh, disruptive effect of AI on the uh, uh, both the process of reading and the process of writing. So, um, so yeah, it was a lovely little festival. It was the first time I've been to Sorrento, which is kind of, for people who don't know quite where it is, it's kind of at one end of the peninsula of the kind of big harbour that suggests um, Melbourne. But... Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a brand new writers festival, and um, yeah, there was a, just a ter- terrific vibe. Would have been very interesting with a, with a bunch of writers talking about the effects of AI. Everyone knowing that where we are at now is not where we're going to be, but wondering where are we going to end up? I guess. Yeah, and look, and the main thing we concluded was that um, we've had so much change just in the last four to five months. Uh, it's going to be a long time before we. Um, you know, we can look back and actually say with, with any certainty, this was where we were going. Anyway, Abe, uh, where should we start this week? Well, Tim, there is only one place to start. Breaking news while we've been recording, Grant Blackley, the boss of Southern Cross Osterio, is out. Tim, where to even begin on that one? Yeah, okay. Let's let's start with some of the facts. So Southern Cross Osterio, big player in audio, arguably the biggest player big player in regional television um so uh, we, we we know sca through its two major radio brands which are triple m and the hit network which of course includes the fox in melbourne and um today fm in sydney um but increasingly listener has been about the future which is the the streaming service and then a kind of unwanted asset of um the, the, the regional TV operation, which is affiliated to uh, TED, now, nowadays owned by Paramount. So there have been a few moving parts there, not least um, the, the, the next affiliate arrangement has to uh, be, be renegotiated for July, and that's coming round fast. Um, 
still on the facts, um, SCA had its worst first half in history, uh, which we wrote about on our maid back in uh, back in uh, February. Um, revenue was was flat on two hundred and sixty million, and profits for the half were. Down from forty-eight million to forty-three million, which you know in a year doesn't say that much. But when you think about where the numbers used to be, um, if you go back a decade or just over a decade, SCA was doing profits of something like one hundred and twenty-two million in the half, so only about a third. So there's been this this ten years of decline in both revenue, but more significantly in profits. Now um, that that those are facts um and i think the other fact and i think if there's there's you know that there's going to be an argument for the biggest legacy that graham blackley delivered to sca was to give it a future at all because when he inherited the company from reese holleran back in 2015 um the company was in real trouble it had debts of nearly half a billion dollars 470 million dollars um and i'm not i'm not necessarily sure it was grant blackley's idea uh it could have been but anyway the thing that he executed which really saved the business was they did a deal in february 2016 with the australian traffic network where they effectively pre-sold that airtime for 207 million dollars over um you know many many years and that helped get the net level, the net debt level down. So last time I looked, the debt level was something like just over a hundred million, which isn't great when the company's got a market capitalization of two hundred million, and you know over the whole year will do less than a hundred million in profit. I would have thought, but um, but you know it's still a viable business. You know I I wrote about it. Um, uh, just a couple of weeks back in May, when I disclosed all of the investments in ASX media companies I'd been making through my super fund, and 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 one of the organisations I did invest in was um, SCA. Not not honestly because I particularly believed in the direction Grant Blackley was necessarily taking it, um, but because it felt underpriced a market cap of two hundred million because it's got all those great assets. So you know, listener might work. The TV networks and the TV license have got more worth more than that. The radio licenses too. So um, you can see the board has just decided they need they need a change of the person at the top. Probably just because the investment community doesn't seem to be picking up what he's putting down anymore. Um, you know, sometimes that just happens. So so actually, the his the length of his time in charge and before that, remember he was running ten. You know, he will bow out, I think, as quite a respected executive, um, but also probably one that it was just time for a new start and a new a new piece of energy. So, Tim, who's taking over the reins? Who'll be running SCA? Yeah, so John Kelly, the chief operating officer, um, he's been appointed managing director and CEO from the 1st of July. So there there will be a handover. And I I kick myself a bit now because I wonder if this is a clue. Um, Seb Rennie joined not long ago to, you know, a, 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 a store out of agency, media agency land to run the commercial side of Listener. 
And his reporting line was into John Kelly. Now, at the time, I was trying to read the runes on what that meant with um, the kind of the, the I think the, the correct title is Chief Sales Officer, but but, but Brian Gallagher. Um, and I, I I didn't really think so much about why he wasn't reporting into Graham Blackley. So now I think about it, that that makes me wonder whether this has been in the offing for a little bit. The fact that that was the that that was the the reporting line. But yeah, John uh, John Kelly, well. Um, were, you know, well recognised, and it's no strange thing for somebody who's come from the finance background to to run these organisations. I mean, um, although Graham Blackley was a sales guy by background, his predecessor, Reese Holleran, was a an accountant by background. Um, so you know that there is that precedent. If you look over um, over at uh, over at Paramount, for instance, you know, it's the financial world that Jared Villani comes from, for instance. So, um, so yeah, so we'll see how John Kelly goes. But, um, but you know, I think it's, um, it's a new start. We'll see how the, uh, how the share market, um, reacts when it, when it, when it opens this morning. Up next, a big week in TV and the rating systems. Lots going on in TV. There's a new start for the rating system today, and the Australian is covering that one. Yeah, that's right. There's a there's a number of different places, but yeah, the uh, the Oz covers it off um, uh, with the uh, the way they promote it is the introduction of a new gold standard ratings measurement system is going to be hailed as one of the most significant developments in the history of Australian television. So there's no no small degree of hype there, despite the advertising industry expressing concern that the new technology falls short of marketers' needs. So this has been long awaited. This is um, what we call VOZ or virtual OZ, um, which is attempting to give a, a, a wider picture than just the, the overnight ratings of who was watching TV the old-fashioned way through there through their aerial so today's the day where those numbers start dropping now one of the things that kind of mystified me was that for such a significant day there was no actual kind of official announcement or anything um i said that that was kind of what i was thinking but then literally as we're recording this just after 8 a.m literally on pretty much on the dot of 8 a.m um a press release did arrive um so it looks like there was a bit of a drop from Voz to the Oz because the, the quotes from the Oz seem to match the ones that are in this press release. Now, a couple of things, one of which is the old Oztam system is still going to carry on as well, the the overnight numbers. And this is what really confuses me, is we're still going to get those Oztam numbers dropping at um, just after 9am with our winners and losers but then we're actually not going to get the VOS numbers until later in the day. Now, I'm literally just reading the press release as we go. Yeah, top line VOS overnight total TV viewing reports are posted to virtualoz.com.au at approximately 1 p.m. daily from today. So I'm not sure I can fully figure that out because... um. If one of the things the TV industry was trying to do was to get everybody talking about um, a holistic number, which the TV industry was bigger than the that declining uh, linear viewing number, then 
why not put it all out all at once? So I'm a little bit puzzled by that. But, um, but you know, I presume there's some sort of um, good um, science reason. But as I say, because the announcement only arrived two minutes before we started recording, I haven't had an opportunity to ask the question of what that is. So how do you think VOZ will influence the ratings figures that we see? I think the main thing is it will, it, it will give a bigger sense of how many people were really watching shows the night before. Um, whereas what, what's been missed in the immediate aftermath is people who were just streaming it or through other methods. You know, that does come in later, but doesn't come in at the time. And still with the Australian, Chris Brown is on the move from 10. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been known for a while that Chris Brown was on the move. Like He was such a big part of 10's talent lineup, you know, including um, his double act with Julia Morris on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, which finished uh, last night. So um, we're now going to see him across at 7, which... Um, you know, there was uh, there, there was certainly talk of whether we'd see him on Dancing with the Stars at some point. Um, what's most intriguing, and this is in the Australian's media diary today, is um, the plans for a home improvement show apparently being made by Endemol Shine, which um, I imagine the people at Endemol Shine or Shine as it was then will all have just this slight... Uh, shudder, uh, given that they were the people who were responsible for the renovators for 10 back in the day. <laughs> that was an absolute stinker. Yeah, which was more than yeah. a decade ago. Funnily enough, I think any of the networks would be jealous of the numbers that the renovators did at the time. Um, but yeah, you know, it's clearly, it's, um, it's the, it'll be the latest attempt for somebody to take on nines of the block because that's such a juggernaut. Um, that was what they wanted to do with the renovators, and it didn't quite work. So, so we'll see what happens. Uh, what happens this time? Whether the, the the magic that Chris Brown brought to the living room back in the day translates into uh, into the new offering, whatever it turns out to be. There's also news this morning that Vice's struggles have some local ramifications, and the the SMH is more on that today, Tim. Yeah, that's right. This is in the Sydney Morning Herald, and also the Age. Um, Nick Bonnie Hady. I never know how to pronounce his name. I must find out at some point. Um, now, um, the uh, this is a relatively complicated one. I suppose at the top end of the chain, you've got this wonderful, um, irreverent, youth-focused brand of vice, which started life um, in, uh, in, in North America, in Canada, as a kind of counterculture magazine, um, and it became much bigger. Always been quite a, a you know, a, a strong local product, um, you know, digitally as well in Australia, you know, or, or almost being run completely separately. Now, one of the many brand spin offs was, of course, Viceland on SBS. Um, and what we're going to see as a result of the current problems overseas for Vice Media Group, which is, you know, is coming back down to earth like so many of these big digital publishing companies are in the US at the moment is that their flagship world news show um, will be getting the axe. Well, that's, uh, that's what the, the, the Age and the SMH are reporting, which, uh, which obviously leaves a hole in the programming. So, um, so yeah, no, no great surprise there, but it's, it's, it's worth making the point that, you know, 
a lot of the programming on Vice Land isn't actually produced by Vice, so I don't think it necessarily means the end of the channel. Next, can Twitter help publishers? Tim, lots happening in social media, including Twitter, Meta and influencers. Let's start with Meta. Yeah, so there's some some interesting things in uh, the AFR today. Sam Buckingham-Jones, the media marketing reporter. Um, uh, two sets of numbers he's, he's, he's been looking at uh, from the, the Facebook world and Meta, the parent company. He's got Facebook's Australian profits falling to $34.7 million which for an organization like Meta is basically nothing. Um, and that's based on um, advertising sales of just over a billion, 1.26 billion in Australia last year, which is up from 1.14 billion in 2021. Um, but most of that money was sent overseas and marked as reseller expenses. So, of course, that then means that Meta and Facebook argue that they don't need to pay uh, tax on that because you only pay tax on the local profits. But what's super intriguing and on the face of it, to me, lose Facebook a matter with some explaining to do is that data released by the ACCC, um, which the financial review points to, is that the parent company Meta, which also includes um, Instagram and WhatsApp, um, is reporting. Um, between 4.7 billion and 5.1 billion in advertising from Australian companies. So there's a disparity there. It seems to me that um, one number is much higher than the other. So I don't quite know what the explanation for that is, other than perhaps the, you know, the, the first number is just Facebook. But even so, that number seems curiously high. So, um, so yeah, I think we're going to have a a restart of the whole conversation around uh, offshoring of profits. Let's move on to Twitter. Elon Musk has announced Twitter will allow publishers to charge users per article read. Sim, is, is this a good thing for both publishers and, and readers? Do you know what I was thinking about this? So this, this, this one, amongst other places, was reported in The Guardian over the weekend. So this is something that um, Elon Musk said on on Saturday, possibly Sunday morning our time, um, that Twitter will allow media publishers to charge users on a per-article basis with one click, which, you know, he argues is a win for the public and a win for media organisations. So, in other words, if you don't happen to subscribe to a platform, then Twitter, if the publishers enable it, will allow you to, via Twitter, buy a read of a particular article. Now, I've got a funny feeling that if Twitter had announced this a couple of years back, that would have been super exciting, super interesting, you know, for publishers worth experimenting with. Um, but it feels that Musk has so much torched his brand that you wouldn't even as a publisher, and I'm thinking about this as a publisher who has a paywall, I I wouldn't even begin to grapple with the economics of, you know, okay, what what assuming it was, you know, the publishers could set their own price, which I'm sure they can. Um, I wouldn't even begin to grapple with what price you should set or how you should do it, because I just don't trust Elon Musk. I you know, I think he's trashed the brand of Twitter so much and it's become 
soap publisher hostile with you know the, the the removing of verification and all of those things that I wouldn't touch this with a barge pole and I suspect that many other publishers would be in exactly the same boat and the ACCC is cracking down further on influencers who aren't disclosing when they're being paid or gifted to sell products yeah and this is effectively from the the the, the, the same release of information we were talking about earlier from the at the ACCC but the the AFR the AFR also um, looks at um, yeah how uh, how people are behaving on social media now. It's been a bit of a theme we've written about a few times on a May. This issue of influencers not declaring when they're being paid or under declaring, kind of hiding it away, just with you know you get those kind of woolly words like sometimes partner content or you know in a partnership with that you you kind of. I think often it's when an influencer is a bit embarrassed to admit that they're just being paid to shill for these brands. But, um, but yeah, as the AFR puts it, take five posts at random from social media influencers and four of them will be concerning and in need of follow-up action, the ACCC says. So this is, this is a report. I saw it break late last week, and I must admit, I did think about writing about it for our best of the week email, but as you might have noticed, Abe, it already ran quite long, so I didn't have the space to uh, to get into it. So I, I might dig into this one in, a, in Unmade a little bit later in the week. And in a development for the retail media space, Coles has put its Coles radio account up for tender. Tim, what does this mean? Yeah, this is kind of interesting. So Nova has run Coles radio for all best part of the last 10 years i think so um yeah afr is the one revealing that tender is um is up for grabs um there is an argument it's one of the most popular digital radio stations in the country now (laughs) that's off a fairly low base when it comes to dab numbers but um but yeah um the the you know the the obvious people maybe to be involved in the picture southern cross austeria who own listener um, Australian Radio Network, who licensed the technology of um, iHeart from the US. You've then got Nine Radio, and then the other one who's been approached for the process is an organisation called QSIC, Q-S-I-C. I hadn't come across QSIC before, but that might say more about me than it, it does them. But um, Nick Hinsley, his chief revenue officer at Zitcher, um, who are, uh, you, you know, we've done, pod- we've done a podcast with them in the past here, um, players in the retail media space, kind of in the helping uh, marketers make the most of their digital assets in particular. And uh, yes, Nick announced a partnership with QSIC over the weekend, which are, I think can't be um, a coincidence of timing. But um, Abe, do you, do, you, do you know anything about QSIC? I, I do actually. I think it must have been five or six years ago. I met the founders. I went to a Pandora event with was it Tim Westergren, who's the the founder of Pandora in Australia. They were literally sitting behind me, the two uh, young founders. We're all much young, younger a few years ago. And it was fascinating. They were in early stages of QSIC and to see their growth. Um, and they've got some big brands that they provide uh, retail media to these days. So very interesting to watch that. Actually, when I read the story, I thought, mm, I wonder if QSIC is in the picture. And to hear that, uh, they might be, would be very interesting. It would seem that they're, they're obviously going, their, their pitch is going to involve Zitch, which suggests probably a much more retail-rich approach rather than one station for every store, potentially. So 
And as you say, yeah, I see that QSIP brands like McDonald's, Mecca, JB Hi-Fi, 7-Eleven. So lots of, um, lots of local places. And I, oh, you made me feel so nostalgic men- mentioning Pandora. I miss Pandora. I used to love Pandora before it withdrew from Australia. Well, Spotify have some similar algorithms, so you might have to make the switch, Tim. But we should keep moving. There's a new station today, Tim, speaking of music and your love for Pandora, Tradie Radio. Yeah, another um, DAB story. And again, this one is just a press release that literally broke just as we were starting to record, but as we were talking about DAB. So just very quickly, yeah, Triple M have announced the new DAB Plus station. Triple M, Tradie Radio with Mitsubishi Triton and Forex signed on as the foundation partners. So I, I uh, is talking about dishing out non-stop anthems, bangers, listeners know and love from the 90s and 2000s. So I must admit, I used to be a quite a heavy listener to Triple M Classic Rock while I was working away as my stream. And then for some reason, the, the Hobart version of it just broke on my... Um, uh, my smart speaker, which was Alexa, and I don't 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 even quite know why, and I I somehow got out of the habit of listening at that point. So uh, I've got a funny feeling if I go back in now, um, then I'm going to be hearing an awful lots of mentions of the hardworking Mitsubishi Triton. Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And we'll be back tomorrow with Tuesday Data, in which we explore the uh, PR world and how it relates to journalists. Don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usually enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Noodle pen. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.